It's been a couple of years since we last. It's been a minute, talked hasn't about, it? <laughs> it's, it's a lot of minutes. Yeah. It's a lot of minutes. <laughs> I'm Kyron Wheatley. A couple of years ago, when I lost my dream job, my world turned upside down. I didn't know what to do, where to start even, but I was lucky enough to speak with some incredible experts who helped me find my way. Thank you to everyone who contacted us following the podcast to see what happened for me in my career. And this episode is the next part of my story. Proudly brought to you by Seek, this is a very special episode of Seek Alternate Route. If you're feeling a little lost right now and you haven't listened to those first four episodes, I highly recommend going back and having a listen. I honestly wouldn't be where I am now without having been through that process first. So tell me what you've been doing with with your time, with your hours that you've been gifted every day. Yes. Well, my mate Alex and I were walking past a empty bar in the city and we thought that maybe we could fill it. Uh, it was coming up to the comedy festival. It was a bar that is popular during the comedy festival. And uh, as Tom Gleason said to us one day, uh, what you want in a pop-up bar is for it to be pre-popped. <laughs> And uh, this was a bar that had worked before (laughs) and it was closed. So we thought if we get our shit together, we had a very short period of time. If we work on this hard, we could be the bar that we already know is successful. So there were sort of, I guess, less risks for us in opening a bar. And perhaps it would be a putting our toe in to an eventual dream that we had that has now become a reality, which is to open a comedy theatre in the city of Melbourne. And that has become a reality. How so? In that we have opened a comedy theatre. So for two years <laughs> so for two years we've been working on bars and you know, learning oh my god, so much learning and hiring people and getting teams together and being the payroll and the HR and the producer and the the boss and the colleague and the builder and the bartender some days got my RSA. Uh, right. <laughs> and um, and we, we built from scratch a comedy theatre, which we launched three days uh, before the pandemic shut the entire world down, <laughs> which right. was um, particularly interesting timing to be opening a place of assembly. So it's been paused for a little while, but that's how I've been spending my time. So let's focus less on the end result there, which has hit the COVID wall, but not Mm. forever, No, we hope and presume. Well, it's actually presented some opportunities. What are they? When you launch something that could be really massive, you would normally have to do a giant opening and have everything ready on day one. Whereas this pandemic has given us the opportunity to to go real soft and just open real slowly and learn that and then move on to the next thing and start with 20 people in the room, not... 150. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually given us an opportunity to learn and grow into it as opposed to having to be ready on day one and everything goes to hell. Mm, Okay. I like that. That sounds like a a great reflection and Mm. and really meaningful. We've also lost a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, uh, yeah. Well, and I want to talk about that too, because that was one of the themes that we talked about was fear of the unknown. We talked about uh, loss of identity. We talked about the financial implications, which you've just mentioned again and we talked about transferable skills and we also talked about the importance of checking in with the people that know us best which Mm -hmm. you did with Maddie and Reese and your mum yeah 
I wonder if any of the experiences or conversations that we had as part of the process uh, were meaningful to you, and if so, which ones and how? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I've listened back to the podcast in the intervening two years just so I don't forget I mean, like, I wish I had all the raw audio so I could go back and listen in full to some of the chats we had and we had with Michael and so on. Because absolutely, the way that I've been able to deal with this crisis of a global pandemic is because I've oiled my wheels very recently. That crisis that I went through and that we documented, mm. which is a remarkable thing to have, by the way, just personally, a document of that time. Mm. But what I learned from that and from going through all that has put me in the sort of position, put me in the stead that this is a river of opportunity. You know, there's setbacks. I'm not saying it's easy sailing. Of course there's challenges. That's undeniable. But because of going through that and what we talked about and learning about all those all those things, confronting that fear of the unknown, discovering what transferable skills are and that I don't have to go off and be in radio if that's not for me at that time. And everything else that we learnt has meant that now this is full of opportunity, is just full of potential. Mm. Well, I'm particularly interested in something that you said numerous times, and that is that the Triple J job was your dream job. Mm. And working in radio and breakfast radio at Triple J was your dream job. Yeah, but no, you taught me that it's it's not about that it's not necessarily what job that you are landing what I was actually trying to achieve was what was central to who I am you know I do want to affect change I do want to help and create spaces where everyone can come together and there's a community to it you know that and chasing that is definitely the thing that I want and I thought at the time that being and and still think that if I had been uh, the breakfast host of Triple J, I would have been able to create that on the airwaves for the youth across the nation. But now I'm creating that in Melbourne for the comedy community in Melbourne with the comedy community in Melbourne and it's going to need it. It's going to really need it. Mm. So the value of that across the course of the next year is potentially huge. Yes, In that, In is. that there really does need to be a big rebuild and we can be a part of that. But I think what's really important here is that you have made a pretty significant shift from saying that the goalposts are around being a breakfast presenter on Triple J mm. to understanding what underpins that dream and that drive and that's impacting the lives of other people as we talked about like your life was impacted mm. through Radio Land when you were a, a youngster. And you found... A beautiful way to do that, and I know that it's, as as we've already recognised, hit some uh, hurdles with COVID, but I love that you're drawing now the parallels between impacting change through the airwaves as you are now through setting up a communal space that supports an industry that you're very aligned with, that's you're very connected to. It's got so much potential that honours so many of these things that you talked about. And when we talked a couple of years ago, I think you you were wearing blinkers that you've taken off. That's what mm. I can hear in this in this conversation. What does that oh, sound 100%. like to you? A hundred percent. I was, you know, I do tend to furrow and have a, a singular focus. I guess that's just a, that's a part of who I am. There's no point trying. I don't think there's any point in trying to change that. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's important to know that you don't have to be so narrow. 
you know, it's a personality trait to to focus on something and chase it endlessly can be very handy. It has been extremely handy <laughs> in my life to have that dogged approach to something. I think the problem was that I had eyes only for one thing, you know, yes. instead of, like you say, taking off those blinkers and being able to see that I can apply that sort of doggedness mm. to anything I want. Sure, and in other, in broader arenas. And that the thing that I'm chasing is not a job at Triple J. The thing that I'm yes. chasing is creating community and, and doing that and, and you know, making those spaces and um, having that those worlds where ideas can be shared and all that all that stuff. So that's what I was actually chasing, not one job with one job title and one job description at one place with one boss. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> what was it like for you to have close family and friends, people who love you and know you intimately, feedback to you their thoughts on your career? And what did you learn from that process? So I think perhaps we don't realise how ready our friends and family and the people around us are to just listen, to actually hear that out. And that, you know, our friends and our family have, I think, a clearer perspective on our own lives Mm -hmm. than we do Mm -hmm. because we're too deep. We're too deep in the writing of the story to be working on revisions. Beautiful. And <laughs> you need you need someone else to come through and edit. Yeah. Uh, when you when you finished your first draft. Yeah. Unbeknownst to us, we are surrounded with professionals on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if we don't if we don't go to them and use that talent and use that expertise, what a waste. Yeah. What a waste not to call up your friend and be like, oh my god, like I'm just so whatever it is, because they're just really willing to help. And if they're not. You'll figure that out in about 30 seconds mm-hmm. and you can call someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, it, it has been absolutely invaluable to turn to the people around me and, and see what they reckon. And if you flip that so that people came to you, you would jump Absolutely. At the opportunity to provide support and feedback and explore. So you raise a a really important point and that's often that we have one set of rules for us Mm. and another set of rules for everyone else. So you were telling yourself, why would they want to share or or, or, or it's awkward for me to ask them. But if someone came to you, that thought never would occur to you. Yeah, exactly. So why do we have a set of rules for ourselves and then a different one for the rest of the world? We also talked about transferable skills, and I know at the time that was a phrase that was meaningless to you. It's certainly not now. But without hanging too much emphasis on the phrase transferable skills, what does that concept mean to you now about some of the things in your toolkit that you already had that you've brought with you to the comedy theatre and to the bar? Yeah, well, I make cold calls to people who who I want to get to do something for me. Uh I search for and, and book great talent, talented comedians who I think could bring something to what we're doing. I work in an incredibly close partnership with my business partner, sort of one-on-one as a, as a duo. These are all things I learned mm. in my previous jobs. Yes. These are all things that I was doing in my previous job. I would cold call people who I need. I would look for the talent that I want to get on the show. I was working in an extraordinarily close relationship in a duo and the pressures and the, and the wins that you can get from that. Everything that I do now comes from that position. And in fact, when we're looking to hire people, we're not in radio anymore. 
but radio people are up the top of my list of who I think are capable of having the positions that I that I have to to employ people to do things because they're excellent producers. Mm. And that experience, you know, teaches me that that's going to be true of a whole lot of industries. That just because someone's not in not in comedy theaters, I mean, who is? So if I'm hiring <laughs> if I'm hiring someone, I'm I'm looking at outside, right? Yeah. I'm looking to other industries. Just from my own experience, I know that right, radio producers and radio people have all of the skills required to work to deadlines, which is what happens in comedy. There's a show tonight. So what other industries out there, like radio TV, if I'm hiring someone who's working to this hard deadline, has to work to hard deadlines. You know, journalism, print, these are the obvious ones. But if I think deeper, there's going to be a million more. Mm. And if someone was to apply from some left of field industry that, that I hadn't thought of, you know, I'm ready, very, very ready to read those applications. And, and I think my own experience has taught me that. Mm. Wow. I mean, I couldn't describe transferable skills better than you just did and the power of them. Let's go to the sometimes more serious, often mm. tricky topic of dollars, financial mm. pressures and basic financial needs, mm. which is a, a real pressure point for so many people now more than ever. Tell me about what that feels like at this juncture that you're at. Um, there's certainly a lot of financial risk in going out and I don't have a paycheck unless what I'm doing is successful that's certainly a lot riskier. You know, the the bank doesn't like that as much as I work for this place and I have for two years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess we make financial business decisions that are lower risk so that if something goes wrong, we're not, we're not as exposed. You know, what you want in a pop-up bar is for it to be pre-popped. <laughs> we opened a, a new pop-up bar in a space that had previously been a very successful bar. We weren't really at any risk of losing out there. I mean, of course, we put ourselves and our money on the line to make that happen, but there was no reason why it would be any different this year. People wanted to use that bar because of its location and its you know, its proximity to the comedy festival, that if us, a bunch of comics, went in and ran the bar that's for the comedy festival people are probably going to show up. Mm. <laughs> so so we were able to do quite well there and that put us in a really good position to make decisions going forward. Mm-hmm. So starting small, I think, and building on that and building on that until we get to the point where we're investing in future projects that are bigger risks. We feel like when people are legally allowed to go outside, <laughs> they will be keen to do that. Yeah. And that if we're there, even though it, you know, it's a big investment to make that happen, but if we're there when the doors are swung open, what a huge opportunity. Yeah. Even though at the moment it really it, you could feel quite pessimistic about the state of the world. I'm going to drill just a little bit harder on the financial conversation because I loved what you just said then around the hope and the opportunities that are in a way presenting themselves now but will hopefully present themselves in greater ways when you can open the doors. I certainly hope so. <laughs> but in the interim, like all of us, there's a mortgage to pay, mm. there's a dog to feed Yes. <laughs> and there are practical financial responsibilities and pressures. How are you dealing with those? Before COVID-19, there was 
very real, very immediate opportunity. And so that first risk that we took paid off quite well. And then I was able to reinvest that. Coronavirus has obviously not been great for places of assembly. That's put a bit of a downer on the bringing people together bit. So with the government supports that are out there, we're able to track along in a sort of holding pattern and use those skills of negotiating that I learnt in radio and in negotiating with my old boss, really, to negotiate negotiate us into some good spots mm. so that our financial overheads are as low as they can possibly be through this time and so that we can sit in this holding pattern and wait for the opportunity spot, the opportunity spot, what we want to do next and then be ready so that when those doors do swing open, we are right there to take advantage of that, to be there, to to have those wins because Lord knows I'm not the only one. We all need them. Mm. So, yeah, I think just try, just constantly trying to put yourself in the right spot so that or or jostle into the right into the right spot so that when the starter's gun goes off again and it will go off again mm-hmm. you can be in the in the best possible position to get to the finish line which is just another start line by the way bingo <laughs> it is and perhaps that's one of the biggest takeaways i think Karen hearing yeah. you speak that life yeah. is a lot of starting lines and a mm. lot of finish lines and a lot of yep. roundabouts in between Let's take you back to maybe not long after you left the halls of Triple J. We're walking out. Is there an elevator? Yeah, there's an elevator. Six floors, six floors. Okay, let's go. We're going down the six floors and miraculously I've jumped inside the elevator. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you for having me, Karen. What would you tell yourself then that you know now? What do I tell myself that I don't know now? All things must pass, um, to quote George Harrison. No matter how bad the weather is, it'll be sunny again one day, to quote Stephen Fry. That there's the other side, that pushing through and and if you just keep going <laughs> and keep doing what you can, it's always going to work out. <laughs> Ding! Always. And the door's open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, But I also think one of the things that's important to say here is that we don't want to sugarcoat this whole experience. We're talking about sunshine and rainbows and unicorns and along the journey there's discomfort, there's rejection, there's pain, there's hardship, there's financial pressures and just continuing to push on like a bull at a, in, at a gate, is not always what we need. Sometimes we need to find ways to tolerate th- that discomfort and that, that pain and that hardship. Mm. And then other times we need to challenge the way we think in order to come up with new ways of thinking that are more adaptive for the situation we're in. Yeah. And I think perhaps the combination of the hard work that you're talking about, the perseverance, the grit, needs to sit alongside the tolerance and also the challenging the way we think. Mm. Well, yeah, I certainly don't think that if the definition of keep going is that I spend the rest of my life being angry that I didn't get a job, that's certainly not what I mean. That's the opposite of keep going. That's stop at roadblock and then groundhog day from there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because at the time it was very much a roadblock. 
It was very much doom and gloom to the point where it was affecting me physically, mm. kinetically. Mm. I was literally slowing down. Found myself walking, I think, literally walking somewhere. I noticed I couldn't go f- faster. I was slow. I was so lethargic, and it was like wading through air. It's good to acknowledge that, isn't it? That I, I sense this. We talked a bit about, I think, at the time, almost paralysis. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're almost emotional thinking about it now. Oh, for sure. I feel sad for for the me from back then. <laughs> Who, who didn't know or wasn't ready for it and doesn't know what I know now. And because I was in incredible amount of pain, huge, huge, uh, huge change, huge sense of loss. What I mean by keep going, what I mean by all things must pass is that through that experience, through talking to you, Sabina, through talking to friends and family, through rebuilding myself, through pushing on through that, I was able to to learn about myself and to form the skills that means when this crisis hits, you know, it's it's a hell of a lot easier to tackle and to and to see that there's opportunity. I didn't see opportunity last time. Yeah, I can guarantee you, opportunity was not on the menu. Yeah, uh, this time it is. This time it really is. And I'm only here because of there. So I can't learn that without learning it. We're not born with that knowledge. We're a drawing of everything that's ever happened to us. So when I say keep going, I think what I mean is like just believe that there is another side to this. You know, you may not be able to see the pathway at the moment and you may need help finding that pathway. And I sure as hell did. So there is a path. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. There is a path. Don't necessarily keep going just running into a roadblock constantly, Mm. but somewhere amongst this, if you're feeling this right now, somewhere amongst what you're feeling, there is a path. And anybody who's made it to 80 can tell you that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anybody. And that's what I mean by push on. Keep looking for that path because you'll find it and then the things that you will learn along that gravidly eroded track will get you back on cement very soon. Mm. And then you'll look back and think yourself lucky to have been there. I know that, <laughs> you know, it seems like rainbows, like you say, to to talk like that. But it really does, looking back, feel like, oh, thank God I went through that then. And um, I was able to have that experience then because the stead that has put me in now, I mean, I couldn't have learnt that mm-hmm. from a book. Mm-hmm. Mm. I hope that you own it, Kyron, because I always, one of my favourite sayings, put the same ingredients in a cake, get the same cake out of the oven. Yeah, exactly. So for people who are listening who are thinking, I don't know what to do and so we keep doing the same thing, we hit our head against a wall, we pull the cake out and it's still the same cake and it's not what we Mm. ordered, it's not what we want, it's not what we're yearning for. But I think through this process, what I'm hearing you say really loudly is you found some new ingredients to put in your cake and you did that through being open, being vulnerable, talking to people who know you well, talking to people who now know you well. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I want you to own that you played the main role on the stage here in your life. As we've talked about with the book analogy, you're the author and you found new ways to invite others to edit and reflect on your story, which shifted your relationship with your story. 
Sabina's the best. Losing your job or feeling stuck in your career is so, so hard, and it can be even harder to see a way forward. Trust me, I've been there. I've learned so much through this process, but one of the most important lessons I've learned is to talk to people, to seek out support, and to try and find new ways of looking at your situation. Whether that's through family, friends, your own version of a Sabina, it's much harder to try and do it alone. This has been Seek Alternate Route, proudly brought to you by Seek. We hope this podcast has helped you in your journey in some way. And now, if you're looking for a first step, Seek Career Advice is a great place to start. It has loads of expert advice, tools, and resources to help you with your next move.